Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Heritage, and I'm your host, Bishop. Today we find ourselves in the year 80 AD, in a Christian world that looks very different from the early church that we've been discussing. There was a unique challenge taking over now, as the original apostles had all died out. All except for one, John, were gone. The generation of Christians at this time were people who never experienced Jesus, whose parents never even heard Jesus, and were having to learn Christianity all secondhand, much like we do today. This brought with it a whole set of unique challenges and difficulties, not least of which was the fact that more and more people were converting to Christianity, bringing with them the ideas of their previous life. Most notably, we had people like Valentinus, who was teaching that Christianity is actually just one part of Plato's philosophy, and that God is really the demiurge of old, blurring the line between Christianity and Platonism. We had other people like Marcion, who came in and began to teach that Jesus in the New Testament is beautiful and true, but the Old Testament isn't real. The wrathful God depicted there is is wrong, is, is monstrous, and obviously not something to be followed. And both these schools of thought, Marcionism and Valentinianism, began to split the church in half. People believing all of these different things and not knowing where to stand. During this time, we see an unprecedented fall-off of Christianity. As all of the differing voices and arguments began to turn a lot of people away from Christianity, and many people began to fall away. Into this scene, at the year 80 AD, an 11-year-old takes the stage. An 11-year-old who would forever change the course of history. His name was Polycarp. Polycarp found himself learning at the feet of the Apostle John, the only living apostle left. And John took exception with this young man because, in many ways, he reminded him of himself. John, about 12 years old when he was called by Jesus, into the apostleship, saw a lot of himself in this young man, the kindness, the gentleness, the love, the passion, the youthfulness, and in many ways, the childlike behavior were all things that John could relate to. And so for the next several years, John would teach Polycarp everything he knew, talking about his stories with Jesus, his experiences. And over these next couple years, this young man, Polycarp, would watch John Watch John as he would teach and travel. Ultimately, before John's death, they became separated in Ephesus, and Polycarp began his own ministry, now a grown man, little over the age of 19. Little did Polycarp know that when they separated around the year 100, that this would be the last time they ever saw each other, the last time they would ever get to see each other as John would die soon after. This young man in his 20s bore the burden of being the last one to be taught by John. He bore the burden of a fractured and fragmenting church that he was trying to hold together single-handedly. And he rose to the challenge with a pen in hand and the New Testament on his brain. The first step he did is actually a really beautiful one. He wrote this epistle to the Philippians. 
This epistle talked about things like love and peace and finding confidence in your salvation, not questioning because you weren't there to see it. He is the first one to address the questions that we wrestle with today. Asking things like, but I've never seen Jesus. I didn't hear his voice. I haven't experienced his miracles. The struggles of faith that we have in the modern world, he was writing about because he too had. This epistle to the Philippians, Polycarp's letter to the Philippians, was widely preached and taught throughout the early church. In fact, even into the years uh, 1000, even into the to 1000 AD, we see this being widely preached in many churches. Quite frankly, it's probably something we could preach on today. We see that Polycarp's influence through this single letter became very close to Paul. In fact, almost overnight as he wrote this letter, he became as influential to many as Paul. But he was just beginning. This epistle started off what would be in a remarkably dynamic and revolutionary ministry. One thing that had happened over the last couple years was that Paul, the apostle, and his writings were taken by Marcion and by Valentinianism, and many Christians were avoiding Paul, trying not to think about him. The canon as we have it today with the books of the New Testament that we have weren't, wasn't constructed yet. In fact, there wasn't really a standardized version of what should be taught and shouldn't be taught. Part of the confusion. But it was Polycarp who stood in the middle of it and began to quote and teach on the writings and teachings of Paul. He began to quote the book of Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And he began to teach people that Paul, this, this apostle, was, was someone that could be trusted. In many ways, Polycarp began to create the New Testament we now have today. He began to compile the Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, and many of the writings of Paul into documents that, that he would teach out of, being the first one really to begin to put together the canon of Scripture. He stood and he fought against the, the heresies of Marcion and Valentinianism, even one time meeting Marcion himself. And after listening to Marcion give an explanation of what he believes and why, he asked, what do you know? And gently and sternly, Polycarp looked him in the face and said, I know but one thing, that I am speaking to a child of Satan. This confrontation enraged Marcion to the point where he began to use his political power to try to kill Polycarp. But Polycarp refused to back down, believing that it was his job to protect the sanctity and the unity of the church. Polycarp's life would be riddled with moments like these, standing up for truth and teaching the beauty of Jesus Christ and the Gospels putting together the canon, and ultimately creating the church as we know it today. Polycarp's life is something that is remarkable, incredible, and has shaped us in so many ways. Think about this next time you open up your Bible and turn to the New Testament, that it was Polycarp who helped create it. As you consider and listen to sermons on the teachings of Paul, understand it was Polycarp who helped bring Paul into that place of acceptance. Next time you consider the church and the struggles that your church is having, understand that Polycarp was the first one to experience them and teach on them. Next time you sit and wrestle with your faith, understanding that you are wrestling with a faith very much like Polycarp himself. In many ways, Polycarp is the bridge from, to modern Christianity from the first century church. And he is the bridge by which we all cross over today. 
Without Polycarp, I, I often wonder what the church would be like. And it's sad that we don't know much about him. Polycarp's life ended as dynamically and revolutionary and radically as his life. We see that in, in the year 155, he was dead, killed in Asia Minor. We see that he was burned alive and then stabbed right before his death. That he refused to recant his faith until the very end, choosing instead to stand firm in what he believed about the beauty of the Bible and Jesus Christ. Polycarp took on the message and meaning of Paul, bringing forth some of the most beautiful words ever written. Learning from his friend and his mentor, John, he brought love and peace into the first century church and forever shaped the church into what it is today. This is an unknown hero, someone that we don't talk about, but perhaps we should more, because without him, we wouldn't have the church we have today. This is just another moment of us exploring our heritage and learning from our history.